By the time you hear this, both South Africa and Israel will have presented at the International Court of Justice for genocide hearings because South Africa filed a genocide case before the International Court of Justice. South Africa and dozens and dozens of supporting nations that were backing them argued their case yesterday. Israel defended itself. I'm using air quotes there. Defended itself um, from the charge of genocide. The case against Israel in so many ways, is is very much an open and shut case. It's just fact. And today I just want to unpack and explain what's gone down over the past 48 hours and what we can expect next from the International Court of Justice. This is Sean King, and you're listening to The, the, the Breakdown. The, 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 the Breakdown. For those of us on the East Coast of the United States, if you watched the International Court of Justice genocide hearings yesterday or today, you had to wake up at about 3.30 in the morning. And I'm glad that I did, Uh, particularly yesterday. um, It was, there was something both profound and frustrating, and I'm going to explain what I mean about what we saw yesterday. First, to be clear, South Africa argued a masterful, brilliant, fact-based, well-researched, balanced case of genocide against Israel. It was, the, the argument was impeccable, and they could have argued for days and days and days. You could argue for years, The evidence of genocide, the evidence of war crimes, that evidence is overwhelming. And it's been so well documented by men and women on the ground there in Gaza that it is undeniable. Yesterday, what South Africa mainly had to do was quote Israeli government officials in their own words, saying that what they were doing was genocide, saying that what they were doing was ethnic cleansing, saying that what they were doing were war crimes, over and over and over again. All you had to do was quote their leaders from the top down, from their president and prime minister to members of their their version of Congress, to uh, military leaders, to everyday soldiers, to, to people, you know, in the media, who basically said, we are going to completely flatten Gaza, We're going to make everybody leave. We're going to kill men, women, and children. Everybody there is a monster. Everybody is either a terrorist or a terrorist sympathizer. Over and over and over again, they said this. And then they acted on it. And they've killed over 30,000 people. The majority, the overwhelming majority of them are women and children. And a microscopic number of the people they've killed had anything to do with with October the 7th. It's been brutal, atrocious, and it's been genocide according to actual legal definitions of what genocide is. And yesterday, I was so moved because it's been so rare to hear on the world stage 
people share the actual facts of what's going on, that sometimes it felt like when I was on Instagram that it was only on social media that you could find the actual truth of what was going on. But leaders and human rights attorneys from South Africa and around the world yesterday argued, oh, this is genocide, and here's the proof. And the case was not only compelling for us, I believe the case was very well argued and very compelling for anybody that was in the room. Today, Israel is defending itself against this charge, and they're basically taking three primary arguments. They are arguing, one, genocide is what happened to Jews in the Holocaust, and this is not the Holocaust. And so right away, they brought up the Holocaust. And it's, it's to say, sir, that, that was 80 years ago, and nobody is disputing what happened to you 80 years ago. But you're not the only person that's ever been oppressed. You're not the only person that's ever suffered war crimes. And don't make what happened to you 80 years ago the beginning, middle, and end of what could ever happen to anybody. Because a lot of people have suffered. And now, and, and, and here's the thing. South Africa already argued to say, you could call what happened on October the 7th genocide if you want. This was said yesterday. You can say that what happened on October the 7th were war crimes and genocide, but that does not then give you the power to commit genocide in response. So South Africa already answered to say, no matter how you frame October the 7th, it does not justify the wholesale slaughter of Gaza, the destruction of hundreds of thousands of homes, churches, mosques, businesses, and schools and hospitals. It does not. It will never justify this. So they brought up the Holocaust and said, hey, uh, this isn't actually genocide. As if there aren't legal definitions of genocide. The legal definition isn't see Holocaust. That's, that's not how this works. And it is a, an argument that Israel has used for years and years that whenever you bring anything up, that they have done that's atrocious. They'll say, but the Holocaust. And, and what's disgusting about it is it cheapens the actual pain and devastation of one of the lowest moments in human history, the Holocaust. But you cannot use it as a weapon to defend yourself against your own atrocities. It's gross. And what it does is it hardens the heart of people in ways that I, I know Israel, I thought Israel didn't want, but it's truly too late. Secondly, they just said, listen, everything we've done, we've taken great care to avoid civilian deaths. In the meanwhile, they've killed at least 25,000 civilians. Almost everybody they've killed have been civilians. So they literally made the argument, hey, we really, really tried not to do this, but in war things happen, but we tried to avoid this. And hey, we asked everybody to move here or move there. It, I don't think anybody will buy it. I hope they won't. And lastly, they just argued that, in, in essence, 
Gaza deserves this. You know, this is, this is the fault of Hamas. It's not our fault. Hamas caused this. And Hamas is, in essence, responsible for every decision we've made. And that's not how war actually works. No matter what happens, no matter what your argument is for why you started or who started it, you are always responsible for your response. We will see. Um, you know, South Africa has a what's called an ad hoc member on the court, and Israel has an ad hoc member on the court that are just there just for this case alone. You're allowed to each appoint someone. In essence, you appoint a, a hardliner. And there are 15 other judges on the court. And as people kind of are judge counting, vote counting, um, we, we truly don't know how it's going to go. But based on the locations of the nations, if the members of the International Court of Justice vote with kind of the primary sentiment of, their, of the leaders of their nation, maybe not the people, because you've heard me say on here many times that the people of the world are calling it genocide. The people of the world are calling it a war crime. The people of the world are calling for a ceasefire. It's just the leaders that are in the way. So now it could take, uh, in the case of Ukraine and Russia, a decision came down in eight days. In other cases, it's taken three to four weeks most recently. And I think we'll get a decision in less than a month. It, could, it literally could potentially be next week or the week after. But within a month, I think we'll have a decision. And the dis- it's not, it won't just be one decision. It'll be seven, eight, or nine decisions because the case has many layers and factors and decisions. And the International Court of Justice will come down they will determine from their angle if, if it meets the legal definition of genocide according to the 15 or 17 jury panel. And the consequences will vary depending on how they rule on each decision. I won't speculate now. All we can do at this point is wait. Listen, I've got to run. Love and appreciate all of you. Take care, everybody. Break it down. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And we are the Momentum Advisors. Every single week, we talk about wealth management, personal finance, and entrepreneurship. We are financial advisors by day. We're entrepreneurs by night. We're building wealth for ourselves, and we want to make sure that you understand how to build wealth in your own family. Tune in for shows like Is Your Money Racist? Retirement Savings, Investment 101. We literally run the gamut on all the things that you need to know about financial wealth, creating a legacy for your family, and really just wealth creation as a whole. What we find is that these conversations are happening, but they're not happening as much as they need to in diverse communities. And so we're bringing a new voice, a new amount of energy, and we want you to tune in. So we bring the tips, we bring the strategy, and we always bring the good news. So make sure you tune in every week to the Momentum Advisors. There's something for everyone. Most.